0: And now, here's the episode. Well, good morning. I love Baptism Sundays for two reasons. One, baptisms are awesome. And two, all the pressure's off of me. Uh, if I completely bomb right now, church was still great. You know, <laughs> like it can't, we can't go wrong at this point. Um, hey, before we jump into the sermon, we'll get here in just a minute. Just a, a quick update. Um starting next week, there's going to be a considerable and noticeable lack of Natasha Warren around the building. Um, So I just want to get ahead of that. Do not be alarmed. It's all good news. Uh, Natasha, after 10 years of faithful service, pastoral ministry to this church, uh, is taking a well-deserved sabbatical. So um, now I want to just jump in real quick because some of you Depends on maybe your church background or maybe some of your experience. Um, Sometimes sabbatical, when when churches say that, and I think this is full-on dishonest, by the way, so I'm on a soapbox already. That happened quicker than I planned. When people say sabbatical, it's actually coded language, you know, and what they actually mean is something horrible is happening in their life and they're going to rehab or their marriage is falling apart or there's a moral failing or something like that. I think it's full-on dishonest. To call something that's not a sabbatical a sabbatical, so you have my word. Natasha is taking a sabbatical for all the best reasons, okay? She has been, as I said, for a decade faithfully serving our church on our staff, and actually for years uh, before that, and... Um, so everything in her life, things are things are just fine. Uh, but we've been planning this. This is not reactive to anything at all. We've been planning this actually for a year plus now. Uh, she hit ten years in January, and before that, we were discussing uh, what her sabbatical would be. That's how in our church and in, in our bylaws we have it. After ten years of pastoral ministry, and every seven years after that, a sabbatical is offered. So Natasha gets to take hers. We're really uh, happy for her about that. Now, some of you are maybe hyperventilating right now. Uh, if Idolatry is a problem. I think Natasha might be an idol for some of us. So everybody look at me right here. You're going to be okay. All right? You're going to be okay. A few weeks without Natasha, you're going to be all right. I want to show you guys something that was really helpful to me when I took a sabbatical uh, a few years ago, which was a, which was a sabbatical. Um, it goes like this. This is very helpful. Sabbath is for rest. We do that every week, right? right. Uh, Sabbath is for rest. Retreat is for reflection. Vacation is for recreation, let's go, and sabbatical is for renewal. And so I want to ask you to join me in praying for Natasha, and Phil, their entire family, that the next several weeks uh, would just be times in which in deep, deep ways they are profoundly nourished and renewed, a season of renewal uh, for someone who uh, is certainly deserving of that. Will you join me in praying for renewal for their entire family? Thank you so much. Um, and then also, I just want to say this, um, say this part lovingly. Um, uh, if you have Natasha's number uh, or her address, uh, I would encourage you to use that, to send her encouragements, to send her gifts. Send her gifts. How many of you has she bought gifts for? Send her some gifts. That will be great. But if you, like, need help or a pastor or somebody to talk to you about your problems, lovingly. Lose her number. Just for a few weeks. Lose her number. She's going to be renewed. There are other pastors on staff. I know she's your favorite. She's my favorite, too. But talk to me. I don't know. It's not that much of a concession. Um, talk to me. Let her breathe, let her breathe, we're going to pray this is really a, a wonderful, wonderful thing for her. Okay, uh, let's say a prayer and we'll get into the message. King Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for what you are doing, what you have done. You are so, so good. Thank you, God, for uh, blessing us with 10 years of faithful service from Natasha and her entire family, God. Um, thank you for the baptisms we celebrate this morning. You really are a generous God. And now, Lord, as we uh, look to your word and continue our series on prayer Um, I ask that you would meet with us, Lord, and I ask humbly that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this room, even as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in this series called... How to Pray, based on a book by that name, um, How to Pray, a Simple Guide for Normal People, written by Pete Grigg. I encourage you, uh, if you haven't already, to start reading that book along with us. And uh, we're working our way through a cheesy but helpful acronym for the word prayer, which is pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Today, ask. Ask is the one we're focusing on. We'll wrap this up next week. And ask, this one is actually a bit different from the other three, uh, because with pause, with rejoice, with yield, um, our main goal has been to convince you to do it. Uh, With ask, I'm less concerned about you doing it, and more concerned about you getting lost or turned around in your own head in the process of doing it. Uh, So, today, a little different, um, I'm pretty much going to run through a list of FAQs on prayer. (laughs) Like, the the questions I have gotten the most over uh, the years, and a lot of them come around this idea of asking, or the big church word for it is petitionary prayer, when we bring our petitions to the Lord. It's just asking for stuff. And heads up, when we ask for stuff, that actually hits a lot of categories of prayer, so fair warning, uh, we're going to bounce around a lot today as we sort of go through um, this list. In fact, to be honest, I'm not sure this actually will constitute a sermon, but I hopefully it's helpful. That's what we're shooting for. So we're generally just going to work our way through a list. And before we see anything on that list, I just want to have you guys think about a question here. And then in a second, you can answer aloud. See, I gave you a warning. Uh, this one's easy. Uh, we're going to start with how most prayers end usually think about what's the last line, not the last word necessarily, but the last line that church folks say at the end of their prayer. Don't answer yet. I'm just giving you a second. If you're not church folks, then who knows, right? They might just be like, peace out, JC. I don't know, or I don't, I don't have anything else to say. No more Goodbye. I don't know. Maybe that's, and that's, by the way, all totally fine. But church folks who've been around other church folks have a, have a sort of a closing line. Let's hear it. What's the line? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now amen means so be it. The first question is this, uh, why do we do that? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Why? It's actually, it's actually pretty simple in this case. Um, I started with an easy one. Um, <clears throat> it's because Jesus told us to. So John chapter 14, verse 14, there are a number of verses that say similar things, by the way. Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so that's why we do that. But what does that mean? Like, why, why would that matter so much? Why would that be such a big deal? I want to be very clear, saying in Jesus' name, at the end of your prayer, um, that is not like, it's not like the open sesame of the kingdom of God, okay? It's not the abracadabra or the magic words that sort of twist God's arm behind his back and he has to do what you asked him to do. It's not about anything like that, so don't let your mind go there. To be very clear, this is about status, and particularly, this is about your status as a child of God. Uh, Larry Hurtado, a brilliant man, said this, to pray in Jesus' name means that we enter into Jesus' status in God's favor and invoke Jesus' standing before God. Okay? So here's what it means. Jesus is why any of us have an audience with the King of Glory in the first place, okay? It comes exclusively from him. So basically what Jesus is saying in John 14 here is he's saying, hey, when you go to the Father in prayer, be sure to tell him I sing you. That's that's what's happening. This is cosmic (laughs) name-dropping. That's what is going on here. And then uh, connected to that, just an interesting aside here, uh, John Mark Comer, who's an author I really appreciate, he actually made this point about that. He said, you know, if you're going to pray in Jesus' name, which we should, that's what Jesus said to do, it actually probably makes more sense to do that at the beginning of your prayer than at the end, because, I mean, it's like the spiritual equivalent of, of flashing your badge, right, and saying, hey, I'm, I'm allowed to be here. Oh, okay, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, come on in, because of the credentials we have in Christ. All right, so that's, that's why we do that. Number two, I actually snuck in an extra question on this one. Is it okay to ask? And is it okay to ask, like, a lot? Like, do I, do I hit a threshold where it's like, okay, that's too much? Is it okay to ask? Is it okay to ask a lot? The quick answer, I'll say more, but the quick answer is yes and yes! Exclamation point. Um, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 10, really helpful teaching from Jesus here. Kind of a fun one, too, a parable. Uh, then, teaching them more about prayer, he, that's Jesus, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, not suggested, anyway, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, look, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, I imagine a smirk on Jesus' face when he says it. I tell you this, though He won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I love this. This is in the Bible. I love it. Verse nine, and here's the takeaway. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened now let's talk about this people are often bothered by this parable because it seems to suggest that like maybe god is like the selfish obnoxious neighbor who only responds after being worn down and even then it's still a selfish thing if your mind goes there at all, go ahead and label that false. That's not what's going on. Um, he's, he's helping us connect with something that we know about, which is annoying neighbors. This is a safe place. It's a safe place. Come on. Who's got an annoying neighbor? Come on. I, I know there's more than that. <laughs> I know there's more than that. You've got an annoying neighbor. Most people have one, okay? And if you don't know who your na- annoying neighbor is, it might be you. So just not a lot of you raised your hand, so I just something for you to think about. I've got one. I don't mind saying it. I've got one. Now, I've got to be careful here because there's a number of people who live in our neighborhood and go to our church. So if that's you, it's none of you, all right? At least not yet. We'll see. Some of you are new to the neighborhood. I don't know. Uh, but so far, it's no one in our church. That's great. Um, but I've got an annoying neighbor. Jesus isn't saying that God is like your annoying neighbor, What he's saying, it's really simple. He's saying, if this selfish guy responds to your persistence, this just dude who probably doesn't even like you, then how much more, how much more will your kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father respond to your persistence? As as we pray, it's something we can never lose sight of. He's generous. He likes you. He likes you. And he's always glad when you knock on his door. Always glad, no matter the hour. So it's like the parable, only it's much, 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 much better. And that's the point that he's making. So hear me. Ask. Keep asking. Ask a lot. It's literally how Jesus taught us to do it. Okay. Number three is related. Uh, why ask if he already knows what I need? I hate that one a lot. Um, that, is a, that is a perfectly reasonable question to ask. Perfectly reasonable. Because like, God, he does, right? He already knows, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, he does. Absolutely, guys. Prayer is never, ever about giving God new information, okay? So you'll never come to him in prayer and say, this is really bothering me, and he'll go, I'm really glad you let me know. I had no idea. You're like, yeah, uh, while we're at it, there's wars and stuff. Like, he knows What's going on? Uh, He knows what's happening. So why do we ask if he already knows? Put it in the simplest way, and then we'll say more. We ask because he asked us to ask. Okay? Because he asked us to. And so we should ask, we can ask, and we should persist in the asking, as we said before. And the reason why we persist, it's not because he doesn't understand the request, or he's waiting for you to say it in just the right words, or to to persist long enough to prove that you care enough for him to, you know, relent. It's not like that at all. Um, It's that asking is obedience, because he told us to, right? Asking is obedience, and obedience is worship. Asking is obedience, and obedience... People feel bad for asking. It's worship. And it is honoring to God that you would go to him with your needs, That demonstrates faith in him. It's obedience to him. It's an expression of faith that he has the answers, that he is the answers. And and that asking, the very process of asking, of bringing it before the Lord, saying, This, I place this in your hands. Lord, please intervene. That shapes us, it forms us. We are made different and better because of it. And again, this is a related, it's not selfish for you to ask. Again, he's asked us to, it's not selfish. Please don't fall for that lie. Lots of people feel that way. Um, Guys, it's not a zero-sum game. What I mean is it's not as if God, if he answers your prayer, then you know, he somehow lacks the power to answer someone else's prayer, you know? Like you just took one from the cabinet and now there's less for everybody else. That's not how it works at all. And remember, again, he loves you more than you love you. This is a friendship. You're supposed to cast your concerns on him. That's what Jesus said. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. So ask, seek, knock, keep asking. Don't relent. He won't be annoyed. Those prayers matter. They really matter. Those prayers change things. Your prayers change things. And it's okay to push. Here's what I mean by that. Um, this, is, this is an acronym. It's okay to push. Pray until something happens. Push. It's okay to push. I just want you guys to know, especially those of you who were here last week, that I gave you that acronym simply out of kindness and love and deference to my wife. Otherwise, I would never do that. Pray until something happens. Um, Okay, so there's that one. Number four. What does it mean to pray in God's will? We hear that a lot, right? If you're going to pray, you're going to pray in God's will. If you're going to ask, you ask for the right stuff. Okay. Um, I I love these verses. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. So helpful. We're going to spend a minute with them. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, pay close attention here, according to his will, then he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, well, now we know he hears whatever we ask in his will, um, then we know that we have what we have asked him. Okay, I find this to be so, so very helpful. Um, We can be confident that if we pray according to God's will, he hears that prayer. That's great, of course. That's what's really explicit in the text. That's wonderful. I'm also really encouraged uh, by what's less explicit, more implied, uh, which is what that says about the prayers that we pray that are outside of his will. And the good news, and I do mean it as good news for sure, the good news is he doesn't hear those prayers. That's great news. That's great news. Guys, I'm, I'm ashamed of some of the things I've asked for over the years. I've asked for really dumb things. I've asked for things that probably would have ruined my life, okay? I'm grateful that he doesn't, and we should all feel that way, okay? As I said already a couple of times, God loves you more than you love you, and he also knows everything. So if we're going to be rational about it, we should want what he wants for us more than what we want for ourselves, We should want him to not hear the things that we ask for that are outside of his will. Now, if you're a theological neat-nick, you could be furring your brow right now and and saying, how exactly does that work? Look, I don't think we need to read into it too much or build some sort of a doctrine out of this. I don't think God stops listening when we pray for something outside of his will. I don't think he falls temporarily deaf. I don't think he surrenders his omniscience or his all-knowing nature if I ask for something outside of his will. But here's what I do think it's saying, that God, in his kindness... Just let those prayers fall away. Just let them, just let them pass on by. So what? What I imagine is, is God like leaning in when I pray, because again, He loves me and He's glad that we're talking listening closely to my prayers, and when I get to the part where I'm bringing my requests to him, I just have this sort of stream of how about this, and what about that, and will you please, and he's listening, and they're just passing by, because I don't probably hit for a very high average, and then when I, when I say something that's within his will, he goes, yes, stamps it, yes, files it in the yes box, and, he's ha- and then he leans in waiting for the next, and the others he just lets go by, and Good grief, Aaron. Okay, no, no, yes, yes, got one, boom, and he celebrates it every time. That's what verse 15 is saying. He says, if he hears it, we know that we have what was asked. Okay, so with that in mind, think about this with me. There's no downside to asking outside of God's will. Now, we wouldn't do it, we wouldn't purposely go outside of his will, but like, we don't know God, you don't know God's will. What's the downside? What if I pray for the wrong thing? There's no downside. To be clear, again, I'm talking about sincere prayers if we're actually seeking God's will. But if you're sincere and you're just looking for God's heart for your life, guys, ask for anything. Ask for anything. And don't be afraid if you're wrong. So what if you're wrong? It doesn't matter. God is kind enough to just let those things pass on by and there's no harm done. But there can be harm done the other way. So James chapter 4, verse 2, um, he says, You have not because you do not, have, you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. That's a big deal. There are blessings that are left on the table because we don't ask for them. That's what the text is clearly saying. This reminds me of a quick little story when I was, uh, I don't know, a long time ago, uh, and Bryce, my son, uh, he was a toddler, maybe, maybe three, four max, something like that. And I was at the kitchen table uh, keeping an eye on him that day, and so I was working. And he kept sort of stumbling up to the table where I was at, and he was very fascinated by a pair of scissors that I had on the table. And he goes, Dada, scissors. And I'm like, no, no. Uh, You can barely take four steps without falling over. I don't think I'm going to give you a sharp object. Uh, He looked at me funny, because why do you explain things? And okay, and off he goes. And he comes back again. Dada, scissors. Nope. Nope. Comes back again, da scissors, da scissors. This goes on and on, as if it's ever going to change. As if I'm ever going to be like, you know what? Great, I don't love you anymore. Go for a jog. Here's the scissors. You know, like, I'm never going to do that because I love him. That's, that's not how it works, all right? And so, in some sense, you could say, the scissors were on the table, literally, but figuratively, scissors were not on the table for that kid, okay? And my no... My will in this was because I love him. It's hard for us to believe this sometimes, but every time God says no, it is the loving response. It's because he loves you. Great quote coming at you from Tim Keller. Here we go. God will always give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. That's good. I'm going to say it again. God will always give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. The end of that story is after a while, he comes up to me, and I'm sort of rolling my eyes because here we go again, and he points to the table, and he goes, Dada, Thomas. This is why, because like every warm-blooded, good American boy, he spent about a year being obsessed with Thomas the Train, and he was in that phase, and also there was a Thomas the Train on the table immediately oh yeah I'd rather I don't even want it here yes you have it I want you to have it I'm glad that you have it it's better that you have it it is my joy to give it to you why because Thomas was figuratively and literally on the table for Bryce on the table for him but he, here's the thing I wasn't thinking about Thomas if he didn't ask if he didn't ask it wasn't going to be his we have not because we asked not so the takeaway is really simple Pray every angle you can imagine for every situation. Why not? Why not? There's no downside for asking uh, for what, because of God's love, is not available. But there is a lot to lose by not asking for what's available. If you hit every angle, if you pray circles around every situation... You hit every angle. You don't miss out on the good things that the Father has for you. I hope that makes sense. Number five. This one's a doozy. Um, Can prayer change God's mind? Can it? Okay. Here's the thing, guys. The answer is clearly, (laughs) you don't know what I'm going to say, do you? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, look, I'm not going to say that doesn't break my brain a little bit, because it does. I'm not going to say that doesn't that I'm not left trying to figure out what theological category I'm supposed to put that in, because I don't have one for it, but the biblical answer, the simple biblical answer is just yes. So I'll read you a story real quick. This is Exodus chapter 32, a little bit of setup. Uh, Moses is on the mountain, literally talking face-to-face with God. God is giving him the commandment. And you guys remember what the Israelites are doing down at the foot of the mountain? They put all their earrings together and made a golden calf. And they're running around worshiping it while they can literally see the glory of God atop Mount Sinai. And it's a little—it's a big mess. okay? And so this is the Lord's response, verse 9. The Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. And then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses is an interesting phrase. Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember, your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you bound yourself with an oath to them saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Verse 14, so the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Guys, that's the story. It's not not the story. Moses pleaded and God changed his mind. Now, going back to our last point, let's not go crazy with this here. God did not do something that was outside of his own will. It was within God's will to relent and to show mercy to his people. By the way, I think it's a pretty safe bet that it's always within God's will to relent and to show mercy to his people. But It was his plan to do otherwise. And he heard Moses, and he honored Moses' request for God to do something that was within his will, but was outside of his plans. Now look, if that raises questions for you, so be it. It does for me too. I can't answer them, so don't ask me later. I don't know. Uh, But it's a thing. I'm not going to disbelieve something in the Bible just because my tiny little brain doesn't have a neat little category for it. And this is something we find throughout Scripture. It's called contending prayer, when we contend with the Lord. Uh, Karl Barth called it the holy mutability of God. And Martin Luther, that brilliant theologian and reformer, believe it or not, he called it conquering God. Now, he would say a lot about that and put a lot of nuance around that. But he talks about this idea of contending where God would allow allow, uh, his will to be changed or his plans to be changed, not his will. Here's what I'm saying, guys, and we can run past it. Don't run past it. Prayer is so powerful, more so than we tend to embrace. It changes things. It does. And God has granted us such status as his children through his son that our desires are given real weight. It matters to him. Our desires actually matter for example why would Jesus teach us to pray Lord let your kingdom come uh, to earth if those prayers did not at least have the potential of impacting God's coming kingdom to this earth obviously here's what I'm saying I'll put it a different way God has invited us to have agency in his plans and prayer is the primary way in which that happens Back to our mission statement. We're joining God in the renewal of all things. We are in a relational collaboration with the Most High God. I'll read you a couple more quotes. Karl Barth, again, brilliant theologian, he said, To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Blaise Pascal, who was like a genius among geniuses, by the way, he said it this way God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his creatures the dignity of being causes. You've been invited to be a cause. And Sky Jathani said it as explicitly as anyone does that I've found. He said this. We are not, this is a little wordy, but try to lean in. We are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama, but we are active participants with God in the writing, directing, design, and action that unfolds, unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It is drawing into communion with Him, and there, taking up our privileged role as His people. In prayer, we are invited to join Him in directing the course of His world. There's this. Um, I'm gonna go here quickly, but there's this fascinating biblical image. It's entirely biblical. Um, that's called a, a divine council, okay? Uh, it's discussed most directly in Psalm 82, but several other places as well. So from that text and others, there's this cl- pretty clear picture painted of God, picture this, God in sort of like a council in a room, God sharing the responsibilities of governing the world with other beings. It's called the divine council. Um, the divine council gives counsel to the divine. That's what that means. It gives counsel to the divine. Um, again, you're a child of God. Remember, you don't come on the basis of your own name. You come in the name of Jesus. Remember, that badge gets you into any room, including the one where the divine council is deciding what to do next in this world, and the king of glory is weighing their input be very clear, this isn't because God doesn't know what to do or what's best. Of course he does. It's because, and don't miss this, it is God's heart to empower others. It is God's heart to give his power away. Again, in the end, we rule alongside of him, don't we? Remember, we've seen that several times in Scripture. So this illustrates, if nothing else, how powerful prayer is. We have an audience with God, and guys, he's listening, and it matters. All right, last one, number six. Uh, What is the role of faith in prayer? Okay, brace yourself now for a profound, okay, I mean a profoundly disappointing answer, okay? I'm (laughs) going to do my best, I'm going to be honest, but it will be disappointing. (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, the role of our faith in prayer is really big, it's really big but I don't understand it. Just to be sorry, I know. They're like, do they pay you? It's like, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't entirely understand it. (laughs) I mean, I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I have lots of thoughts, but here's the thing. I can't quite parse them all out. Like, I don't know exactly how to weigh the big stack of verses that speak of how our faith leads to answer prayers. Like, I don't know how to, what to do with that stack. Um, uh, you know, and also like in conjunction with this other stack of verses that maybe seem to imply something different, or there are other causal factors, and so I just I personally don't know really how to sort it all out. So here's what I got. Our faith in our prayers is a really big deal. It is a big part of how and why prayers get answered or they don't. And so we need lots of it, and the more we have, the better it is. That's all I got, man. (laughs) That's all I got. But I want to do one really important thing here before we move on from this point. If someone says to you, and there's a good chance they have. If someone says to you, uh, you didn't get healed or you didn't get what you were asking for or whatever because you didn't have enough faith. If someone said that to you, I would just like to say that that statement is reductive to the point of being mean. And it is, hear me. It is nowhere near that simple. It's Nowhere near that simple. Faith has a role. I'm not denying that. It's a big role. But so do many other things, many of which we don't understand. Firstly, the plan of God, which we don't know. So, I, I hear this the right way. I, I, at the risk of returning evil for evil, which I would not like for you to do. Um, but if someone tells you that, I mean, bless them, do the best. Not bless them out. Just bless them assume the best of them for sure, but I mean this sincerely, you should ignore them entirely. At least about that, and maybe about other stuff too, because I've got a lot of reasons to question the motives behind a statement like that. It's not that simple. So, faith is a mystery, but it's clearly important. Clearly. And so now the question becomes, how do we get more of it? So, I want to read you to answer that um, This might be my favorite quote from the book that we're reading together that Pete Gregg wrote. So simple, so clear. He says this. If you lack faith, it's futile trying to stir it up from within. You can't fake it or make it materialize by clenching your buttocks and trying to believe three impossible things before breakfast. That's a great line. Just just all by itself. It's like, yep, that's fantastic. But do you hear what he's saying? You can't just conjure it up. You can't just, ooh, faith. Like it doesn't work that way. He goes on, but he does say how it works. Faith is found in the person of Christ. If you want to trust Jesus more, get to know him more. Look at him more. Listen to him more. Spend more time with him. It really is that simple. The more you see Jesus, the more you will trust him because he's the most reliable, loving, and powerful person you will ever meet. Fix your eyes on Jesus, urges the writer of Hebrews, because he is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. His job is to perfect your imperfect faith. Yours is just to stay focused on him. Oh, it's so good. I can't. I can't wrap it up better than that. Let me invite you to stand now for prayer. As you may have uh, already figured out, there's a real theme around here at our church. Basically, every sermon that I preach these days ends with one simple thing, which is, guys, walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. and That's exactly what that quote is saying. And guys, you can't summon it up. You can't. There's no magic formulas. There's no abracadabra, no open sesame. So what's, what's it really boil down to? As I've said along the way, prayer, what matters is that we keep it simple and we keep it up. So what does it really boil down to then? What it really boils down to is just walking with Jesus. Just day in, day out. Left foot, right foot. Walking with Jesus. And prayer, of course, is the central practice in that. That's so why we're spending so many weeks on this particular idea. Vision of our church is walk with Jesus and love your neighbor. The very core, the fundamental practice of walking with Jesus is prayer. And our prayers, of course, are, are made more effective with greater faith. And our faith is made greater through prayer. All right? Our prayers are made more effective with greater faith. Our faith is made greater through prayer. So hopefully this sorts out some of the questions that you might have while you're praying and particularly asking the Lord to do things. The takeaway, though, is just keep doing it. Keep it simple. Keep it up. Keep it simple. Keep it up. Walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. I think we might wrap this up just a little bit differently. I I very rarely do this. In just a moment, I'm going to ask some folks, probably I'm assuming a lot of you, to raise your hands. It's not like you raise your hand and then I'm going to ask you to do this other thing. It's really just raise your hand. And what I'm going to do is, I think, is demonstrate to the people in the room how common what you're struggling with may very well be. I kind of want to point to the beginning of the message where I was saying there are certain things... (sighs) That we, that we have to contend with the Lord for, that we have, to, we have to continue to pray and continue to pray and ask and seek and knock. And I've been praying for one year. I've been praying for five years. I've been praying for a decade. I've been praying for decades. We hear all those stories. I've been pleading with the Lord. I've been pleading with the Lord. And what I've said is it's easy to lose our faith in that. It's easy to feel like we shouldn't ask or keep asking. Or is it selfish? Or is it okay that I'm still asking for this? Is it... So, you know, the thing is, guys... He may have, at the first whisper of that prayer, marked it. Yes, it's just not time yet. That's all really possible. But here's what I ask you to do: If you say there's something in my life that I'm 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 contending for, and that I need to have the faith to continue to ask. All right, all I'm going to do here is ask you to raise your hand. But if that's you, I've got like I need more hands. I have so many. Raise your hand if you're like I got one of those things. Okay, it's almost everybody. It might actually be everyone. I didn't look very closely. <laughs> Can we, can we just pause now and ask the Lord specifically to infuse us? Here's the thing. One more quick thing about prayer. Um, don't understand this entirely either, like so many things. <laughs> don't quite understand. But there's a strength in numbers thing. Something about us doing it together. Particularly around faith. So let's just take a moment now to pray. You can close your eyes or keep them open. That doesn't matter. You can extend your hands before the Lord, as many of us often do. You can find a place to kneel or sit. That's all fair game. It's all in scripture, so we're for it. I just want to pray over you. King Jesus, we're so grateful that we have an audience with you. That when we bring our needs before you, you listen, you lean in, you love us more than we love ourselves. You care and so, God, for I think just about every person in the room who said, you know what, there's something that I'm, I just, I'm getting weary, but I want to keep praying, and I don't want to give up. I want to, I want to pray, if nothing else, out of obedience, because you've asked us to, and you've told us to persist, and I want to, and it's hard, and I get my hopes up, and then I get sad, and then I get discouraged, and then sometimes I give up. And Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that, in this room now would just be infused with greater faith and a greater determination to continue asking. To ask, to seek, to knock, to not relent. I'm reminded of the proverb that says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. God, would you protect our hearts from growing sick because we place our hope in you? For those things that we're praying for, it's a, it's a thing. We try to cast these things on you, but we clench so tightly to them at the same time, and we got to let them go, but we can't let them go, and we let them go, and then we pick them back up. That whole thing, that's almost universal, I think. God, would you help us to, to truly, in this moment, cast these things on you. God, they're yours. They're They're yours. We can't, we don't know what to do. We can't solve it if we, would we would have at least tried if we had any chance of solving it we did it didn't work god we need you so would you protect our hearts from growing sick but would you build our faith and obedience and worship to continue asking lord we we choose to put our faith in you we choose to put our faith in you we choose to put our faith in you. i also want to pray in this way lord for those in the room have either heard a no or the lack of response feels like a no or a not yet from you, something other than yes and an immediate gratification thing and it's just really hard it's just not the answer we want will you help people in the room right now would you give us faith in your goodness faith in your goodness to believe that if you said no or not yet it's because you love us, period period Lord, right now, would you remind us of what we celebrated when we came to the table? your body broken for us, your blood poured out for us, you suffered and died because you loved us so much and wanted to restore us to your family. With the cross clearly in view, would you give us faith to believe that if it's no or not yet, it's because you love us. And to that one, I say personally, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief.